Welcome to Take a Wonder with Shebs, the show that features some of the biggest travel bloggers, TV and radio personalities and journalists from all around the world. Each show aims to take my guest on a wonder and uncover topics that may not be discussed on their platforms or in the media, whether that's the state of travel blogging and journalism as it is today, or whether there's enough diversity within the industry. Perhaps what impact technology and social media have had on content creation, or in general the impact of current affairs on the industry. I also try and find out the journey behind each individual's success, as this is more important to me than the actual travel. This episode aired on my YouTube channel on the 7th of September 2020, and it's with Carl Watson who is a travel documentary maker on YouTube. Carl spoke to me about why he started his channel, and how he's made it into a success. I also asked him how he balances out enjoying his travels and filming at the same time. All that and much more. How are you, Carl? I'm doing really good, mate. Yeah, thanks for having me on. No problem at all. It's uh, great having you on. Um, in my intro, I told everyone you were a YouTube sensation. Um, so <laughs> That's the title uh, of the channel, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, uh, But how have you been? Um, you're based in... Uh, I'm based in Redhill, which is just outside of London. And, um, you know, I've been... I mean, all, all things considered during a lockdown, um, I've been fine. Uh, you know, I live by myself, so I don't have to worry about anyone else kind of thing. Um, and I've sort of taken advantage of all the free time to sort of work on all the all those side projects that you've always wished you had time to work on. I finally had to work on. So this sort of whole lockdown, for a, from a completely selfish point of view, if you ignore all the death and destruction around the world, it could be like a mini blessing in disguise. It's like finally had time to do the things I wanted to do. Yeah, actually, um, that's something that I think I found because the stuff I've always wanted to do, like write a book, which I've done now, I didn't have the time to do so. I say 10, to, 10 years down the line when we look at these videos, you know, when we were chatting about the COVID and stuff, we can say, actually, that was a period of time that four or five months, you know, potentially was a, a career changer or um does that make sense yeah 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 and it's sort of i've always been saying the last few years it's like i kind of wish i could just get put life on pause so i can just catch up on everything because i sort of you know i freelance as a video editor and then i um you know make my travel films to my youtube channel so i'm just sort of working then traveling working then traveling and um and it's nonstop, and I love it. It's not a complaint, but it's it's like, oh, if I only had more time to sort of um, get my website built up and um, uh, built a masterclass on how to make a travel video and all these just different side projects that it's just, if I had 48 hours in a day, I could get around to, but I never had the time. And now it's suddenly, with this lockdown, I was like, right, I had this huge to-do list, and I've basically just been working my way through it every single day. Um, I mean, it's most of it. I mean, obviously, there's some bits during like peak lockdown when you start feeling a bit depressed and down and everything about it. But yeah, most yeah. of the time, it's just like um, you know, you just, you just get you just keep going, and it's been it's been productive actually. I'm glad it's been productive. So yeah, it's working out all right. How did traveling begin with yourself? I mean, well, from an early age. Yeah, I mean, my family we used to always do big holidays every summer, and sort of to put it in context, like my parents both worked at the university so they had okay salaries but we weren't you know we were middle class but we were like middle to middle class we weren't like mm. stinking rich but what they did was they always budgeted for a big holiday so like they were sort of strict with the money throughout the year so we could do big trips each summer um so we'd like just alternate one summer would be like in the states and another summer like in europe and we just sort of do 
um, do a lot of that growing up. So, so always sort of traveled in that sense. But then obviously when you first go traveling by yourself or with your friends, it's a completely different vibe than with your parents. And so I, my first backpacking trip was after I'd finished uni, before I sort of did postgrad, had a bit of a gap year. And once it was like, I did a six month trip sort of working in New Zealand, but had a month in Australia at the start. Mm. And once you get out there, um, I remember sort of almost the exact moment I was sort of bitten by the travel bug, if you like, because, uh, and it's not like a giant sort of crazy cultural experience. It was just, we were on Fraser Island and we'd driven to this secluded lake and we basically set up cool boxes for goalposts. We we're playing football on the beach yeah. and a few beers at 10 a.m. in the morning. And I was I just started standing there going, this is, it's March, you know, what's everyone else doing in March? You're at school or you're at work and the weather's yeah, miserable yeah. and we're, our only responsibility is to have a good time. And that's my only responsibility for the next six months. And it just felt like a, I figured out a trick to life. Like, oh, you can, you can go do that. Like, um, And then obviously the more you travel, the more you want to see, the more you, you see new cultures, mm. new countries. So it's sort of the world doesn't get smaller. It just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So the fascination for myself was very early on. So it sounds like for yourself as well, it was in between though, did you think, oh no, I don't really want to do this. Maybe do something else, like go into finance or whatever. No, never. I was, I was always into the arts because like my, i've got two older brothers and they went to cambridge university and did engineering um Ooh. one of them even spent a year at mit and i did the same a-level subjects as them and got the same grades but i found that i just wasn't the difference between me and them is they enjoyed it i just found yeah, it boring yeah. um whilst i always you know i played the guitar since i was eight i was just always into writing music and then the only reason i wasn't making videos growing up is just because the technology wasn't there like I think my dad had a home video camera and just made awful home videos, but yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't have anything to edit it with. So I think if if there's today today's technology, if that was around when I was a kid, then I would have probably been making videos as well. Yeah, life. actually, I remember it was when I when I bought the video camera, it was, it was the, the the DV tapes they call them. Yeah, DV tapes. So I think yeah. I had like a hundred of those and stuff. But I mean, I still got those by the way, all the older stuff. But I've put it yeah. all onto like a hard drive now. But um. Like just watching the quality of the video footage itself. Yeah. You know, I mean, it won't stand the test of time today with what we've got. But um, but those are all like learning curves for myself. So I, was, I always want. But I think from what I can see, you, you you were doing this stuff like years and years ago. So you're probably well ahead of like time. Like to, today, there's like loads of vlogging and stuff. Which yeah. Is very common. But it sounds like uh, you've been well ahead of the game anyway so um maybe- yeah i mean it's probably one of the reasons why i do long, like more tv style documentaries i mean um because that's what i was inspired by like stuff like long way round and long way down with hugh mcgregor and charlie borman and so it wasn't you know again if i'd started 10 or 20 years later you know i might have grown up watching vlogs and i would have been inspired by them so then i might have tried to make vlogs but when i started vlogs didn't exist and being yeah, a yeah. youtuber didn't exist but TV documentaries did. So I was like, oh, I'll try and make, I love those films. I'll try and make one of those films of my trips. And then the only reason I started eventually putting it online um, was just to share it with the friends and people I met on the trip. And then, so it all just kind of, the whole YouTube channel just kind of grew in front of me. Um, this was about 2007. I made sort of my first, you know, attempt at a travel video that other people could enjoy. But again, it was just shown to my mates. And then it wasn't really till... 2014 that they went all went on youtube 
um, again, like I said, just to share it with people. And then it just it just started snowballing. And so that's the only reason why it's, it doesn't have like some fancy brand name. It's just Carl Watson Travel Documentaries because oh, I'll just call it what it is. The, the YouTube stuff itself, I mean, you've built a quite a lot of following, actually. I think you've got like well over 100,000 subscribers. So the quality you know, of, your, of, your, of your work uh, speaks for itself. And as you said, the, the first when you started doing it, it was for your friends and mates and stuff. But I guess one question I'll always have for any documentary makers is does it affect your travel itself so let's just say you you don't you just recently done the um uh, a, a release of vietnam yeah how much of it did you enjoy making and how much of it did you enjoy traveling around just being yourself it's it's you have to sort of learn the balance i mean first of all if like let's say you'd planned a trip and then at the last second, someone said, here's a camera, you have to film it. You'd be like, oh, it'd be like a burden on your trip. But if you know you're going to be filming it, you kind of make it part of the fun and part of the experience. Right. But then there's still a knowing, you know, my earlier trips, I just film everything because I didn't know what would work. Right. But now through experience of editing, I know when I can put the camera away and just, you know, or have a chill day or, or whatever. Or if I get to like a beautiful viewpoint, I'll get the shots that I want first. So I know it's in the bag. So I don't have to worry about it. And then I'll just put the camera down and just enjoy it with my own eyes. So it's just, it's just a balance that takes a bit of practice, but at the same time, um, like when I did my first big backpacking trip in 2006 and I didn't have a camera, um, I was just getting frustrated. I had nothing creative to do for six months. You know, I was just um, trying to make playlists on my iPod or something just to have something creative to do. Um, So it kind of, it sort of scratches that itch for me whilst I'm away as well by having the video to do. Yeah, and what does it involve? I mean, I've always wanted, because when I went to China, I had issues because I had a lot of kit. Um, yeah. The Chinese got a bit, well, Chinese authorities, I should say, got a bit suspicious. You know, they thought I was a, you know, a spy or something, yeah. seriously. Um, and then they took away my, um, like a hard drive that I had. And I said to them, that, you know, that the hard drive is, purely for charging up stuff and they said like no 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 yeah. stuff so they took away stuff so do you have to get permits for this or do you tell how does um, it work? no i mean you don't i think i think if you were filming a you know if you're filming a tv show that's going to be commercially sold um then you you would get the permits to film in those countries because if a production company is investing in a tv series that don't want yeah, any hiccups like what do you mean you didn't get permission you should have got permission but when you're just filming for yourself um i haven't had any problems but I mean, my kit sort of packs up pretty small um uh so uh, you kind of just just make it look pretty innocent but i mean it, it could it could happen to me at one point it's sort of maybe i've just had dumb luck and um not had any problems the only time you sort of get things like if you go into a certain like um like if you go into a temple and i'll see if you because you've got a microphone on your camera yeah they'll be like oh no 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 but if i just kept the microphone in my pocket they won't you know they don't blink an eye kind of thing so it's just uh it just it's varies where you go really yeah absolutely and asia is a place where i think as is apart from china maybe a lot of people you know they welcome people coming in so you know it's, yeah. they don't really in fact a lot of the, a lot of the security that we have through our airports here you know they'll just say you know, just leave it in the bag and just put it through we can see what it is so i don't think they want to sort of and i've always found that when you go to places like uh, vietnam or um they they want to not discourage people when they so let's say when they go back to their country and say oh no it was 
tough times, you know, going to. But I think, for example, China was a problem because if you've ever been to China, um, they don't really particularly want tourists. Um, they've got enough people within their own country. Yeah. Because people, Chinese people travel within their own um, country because it's that big. So if anything, they, they want to probably discourage people from going, from what I found anyway. So well, we had to, well, we went to uh, Tibet and. Um, we had to like the only way to get into Tibet is on a tour and we were with G Adventures and we started in Beijing and then it's like a two-day train and before we got there sort of our guide gave us all a brief of like you know um don't take any photos or film any police or military or don't ask me any political questions that's I say it's safe to yeah. there's gonna be a policeman on the bus for this when we're there the bus has got cameras that are filming you there'll be cameras filming everywhere so just you know um don't do anything stupid and so then I, I mentioned all of that in the video and then sort of all the people commenting, like all the Chinese people watching it commenting, we're going, well, don't you have buses? You're sorry, you have cameras on your buses in UK. I was like, I know, but it's not, it doesn't feel like the big brother thing. It's like, and it'd be one of those things if our guide hadn't said to us, you know, if, if there was just a placement on the bus, if there's just cameras on the bus, she would have gone, whatever. But because our guide said they're watching you, that made you suddenly sort of start talking about it. And so, um, yeah, we had to sort of be a bit careful of what we filmed and sort of said within that, that situation. Uh, and the specific stuff, I mean, you talked about earlier that it's documentaries that you want. So from what, if anyone's seen uh, anyone call stuff, it's mainly feature length. So, you know, half an hour, maybe 45 minutes. But there are a couple of things I've noticed on there, the way you maybe tell people about what hostels to book, you know, go on hostel, hostelworld.com or another one. I can't remember what you say. Yeah. Um, so how do you sort of, uh, does it take, I know you said it takes months to edit it and everything. Um, do you dish out contents on a, on a weekly basis or is it every so often that whatever you feel as though is good, I'll do it whenever I can. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's very sporadic. There's no, you know, I mean, if people are starting YouTube channels, everyone will tell you, oh, you need to upload the same time every week so your audience knows to expect it. But I think I've sort of got the luxury that my audience is now known not to expect stuff regularly, but when they do, when it does come out, they're going to really enjoy it. And um, what I'll do, if it's been like a couple of months between series, I'll upload just a sort of 10 minute me talking to camera, a little update video of like, don't worry guys, I'm working on this and this next trip's coming up kind of thing. And, and then occasionally in between stuff, I might do a little travel tips video. Um, and I never planned on doing travel tips videos, sort of like, you know, how to pack or how to budget. But um, as you start building up more of a following, people just ask you the same questions over and over again. So it's like, well, screw it, I'll make a video. And then if they ask me, I can just go, go watch that. And then. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course. Um, yeah. And I've noticed you've also been doing some lives as well. And yeah. Quite long as well. They're not like oh, 10 minutes, but like two hours at times. Yeah. It's just, uh, it was, I'd done, I'd done them in the past on my Facebook page every now and again, um, just for a bit of a laugh. But then I was like, why am I not doing this to my YouTube channel? It's my main <laughs> platform. It's my main audience. So yeah, yeah. it was kind of a fun way of creating extra content during lockdown. And yeah, I just, I usually do it on a Sunday evening. I sort of say, right, everyone grab a beer. Let's just have a chat. And, um, and, they're, they're quite because it's such a weird thing because obviously everyone else is writing their questions in text and you're speaking mm. so it's not like this where it's a conversation back and forth and the, the questions start coming through thick and fast so 
you just kind of, it's all a bit of a blur. And the, but at the end, you, I sort of had a couple of friends listening in. I was like, was that okay? And they went, oh, no, it was great. Because you're just sort of just blabbering away, hoping you're sort of talking sense and trying to give coherent answers whilst they're trying to keep up all the questions. So they're fun to do, but they're, they're quite intense as well. Yeah, I can imagine if you're doing it for, for two hours non-stop. <laughs> um, I mean, what's the most common question that you get asked then? Um, I almost sometimes at the start of them I do an FAQ because I always get asked, um, "What was what's your favorite country? Um, if you could move to any country, what would it be? Um, would you ever do another long nine month trip like I did as Hong Kong to New York nine month trip? Um, would you ever do another trip like that?" Um, my best friend James, who I do a lot of my trips with, any trip he's not on is a running gag of people just saying, "Where's James?" So I always answer that question, and also like, "Oh." do I work full time as a YouTuber or how do I make my money? So it's about um, sort of five questions, you know, you're going to get asked every time. So sometimes on the lives, I'll just sit there with a pen and paper and go, this is the FAQ, right? I'm going to answer these, bang, 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 bang. Right. What else you got? And then, um, and if someone joins the, qu- the chat late, they might be going, Oh, Hey Carl, what's your favorite country? And everyone in the yeah, chat's yeah. going, you missed the FAQ. You know, too bad. <laughs> the one thing I, I don't like answering actually um, is a number of countries I've been to. I mean, I only started counting um, when everyone kept saying, "Oh, how many countries?" I'm exactly the same. Yeah. Um, so now I, it's almost you have to put it on your sort of list. You know, well, I've been to 41 countries and maybe three yeah. destinations in that. But I always say it's when when you travel, um, it's the experience rather than the number. So you know everyone anyone can go to 50 countries or whatever you know it's so so easy these days but it's what you really experience um because you could go to 50 countries but just been to the hotel and not been anywhere yeah. else so um if that doesn't really make an experience it's about what you do with your time really so um I, i'm sure that's exactly the same with you i'm 100 percent agree with you there i mean i know how many i've been to because i keep getting asked so i was like all right i'll figure it out and but some of them, and the number 68 in case the listeners are wondering but uh like some of them i went to for half a day when i was a kid like sweden i've been to i couldn't tell you anything about sweden but i yeah. have been there whilst others i spent several months of my life in and and then everything in between and so for me it's it's just about yeah like you said having as many good experiences as possible um whether they be in you know just a few countries or a whole bunch of them it's just about having as many different yeah experiences. absolutely I, I think i spoke to a guest early earlier on in the in the year and um he's trying to complete all the countries in the world i think he's on like 186 out of 195 yeah and from some of the answers that he, he gave me there's no not criticizing him or anything but yeah you know he was adding like north korea um when i asked him you know what did you do in north korea he said well actually technically yeah landed my foot on there and he counted it as a as, as a country so i mean that's not really an experience in, in my eyes anyway yeah so. well I, I met someone she you know just done 100 and um but she i think she was working on a cruise and when they had time off they would just skip around europe and she's going oh yeah most of them i can't remember i was like well what was the point <laughs> you know like uh yeah. <laughs> there you go. You know, it's almost it almost like there should be some rule like right you got to have one good story from each country you've been to or something uh um but it's i mean uh, you know people can travel different ways and each to their own and all that but it's just it's not a particular goal and like the whole scratch map thing um like i've been given one as a gift from like a um a family member but i haven't opened it yet but i might 
I might do it as a video during lockdown, just as a substitute, but just make it more of a history of my travel kind mm. of thing. But I'll still, at the start of it, I'll be going, yeah, but the whole point isn't scratching off as much of the map as possible. And, um, you know, and if I've been to a couple of small bits of China, do I get to scratch off all of China? Do I scratch yes. off those, you know? Um, so it's just not about, it's just about having as much fun and different experiences rather than trying to tick off some arbitrary list, you know? Um, Cause if you want to go to all the countries, by the time you've done it, they'll probably change a few of the countries. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, like Taiwan, for example, like Taiwan's not officially a country, but yeah. um, it might be. You see, so at the minute it's like 195, but there's more unofficial countries. And um, and but about the YouTube stuff, going back to the YouTube stuff. Yeah. Where where do you see it see it in in the next few years? Do you want it to grow even further than what it is? I mean, would you be like to be doing it full time? Um, I'd like I'd love to be doing it full time, just without compromising what i'm doing with the channel um if i can keep it it's sort of finding ways to sort of make money out of it without it turning into a shopping channel because every every as soon as you start having a successful channel or you get emails every day going oh can you do a product review of this or product placement of this or can you open your video going oh this is brought to you by squarespace or whatever and it's like that's not that that be tempting though because that will obviously cover the financial aspect of everything really that you want to do as a doctor. Yeah, it would depend on the it would depend on the brand and whether it's relevant and stuff. It's sort of um because most of the stuff is just like, oh, a VPN or a electric toothbrush or a travel wash bag. <laughs> it's just not um but it, it's sort of it's not like I can't be bought if someone's like, oh we'll send you this brand new top of the range drone if you do a product review. I'm like, yep, sold. I've done some press trips where it's like the tourism boards take you on a trip and um um and they were they were useful i did a, did like three of those last year and they were really good fun but they're not really the kind of videos i want to make but it was it, it allowed me to travel whilst i was saving up to buy my flat otherwise i wouldn't have afforded to be able to travel but um the thing with press trips is they try and sort of make it all affluential and sort of put you up in like the nicest hotels yeah, 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 yeah. and it's like it's like if i was going to work with the tourism board again i would go like look what's your budget um and what do you want to get across? And then it's like, right, let me take that budget and I'll make a, rather than a three-day luxury trip, I'll make a two-week trip out of it that the viewers can actually do. And you'll still get, they'll still, we'll still show off all the things of your region or country that you want to show off, but we'll do it in a way that the viewers can actually do. And then the video will get way more views because those press trips only get between ten to 20,000 views whilst my normal films get yeah, yeah. average 50 to 200 um, so, because um, people just switch it, they just see that it's paid for and they go, oh, nah, you know. Yeah, that's how you, that's very, very, um, so the content itself, the quality of it has got to be right up there. And it makes sense because there's loads of travel shows that you can watch. I mean, the, the, the show that I love watching is the one on the BBC, the BBC travel show. Um, and I know a guy, a host from there, um, and they would be literally, you know, time consumed. It'd be like four days of filming bank get the content out the following weekend and stuff and yeah. um but sometimes do you i mean again do you enjoy your time there i mean because you're going to be time limited in times uh, limited in, in in the time on what you can do but you can't really enjoy yeah you know, the luxury of the country or, or the place well you don't oh, and it it kind of stifles your creativity as well when you're doing a trip that fast paced there's like one video on my channel called um exploring catalonia which is a press trip from uh, nearly a year ago and the video sort of actually turned out all right but it was um 
the idea was I was on this mystery trip, so they weren't going to tell me what I was going to be doing until I showed up at each place. But that's very counterproductive when you're a one-man band trying to film it. It's like, well, what camera kit do I need? What? And they filled your day up so much that you just sort of just recording, recording, recording. Mm -hmm. By the end of four days, I was absolutely exhausted. And it's sort of, you know, when people ask me, oh, how does uh, trap like filming your travels affect the experience or does it stop the fun? It's like, well, I know how to make it fun by giving myself rests and knowing when to put the camera away. Mm-hmm. Um, but you don't, if you don't know what the itinerary is, you don't know when to put the camera away. And, and they'd have you doing stuff from like eight in the morning till like 10 at night. And, and so you, and by the end of it, you're supposed to be sort of selling a holiday. Ultimately they want you to sell a holiday. Yeah. And if you're there just shouting, going, right, what are we doing? All right, cool. You know, um, it's just not gonna, it's not gonna really achieve what they want to achieve. So, um, yeah, going forward, if I have a sort of an opportunity like that, again, it'd be more like, right, let's work out the itinerary together and, um, and for the same, whatever budget they have, I can guarantee I can work out an itinerary that's two or three times as long and still does the same stuff they want to do, but tells a better story and it's easier for me to film and things like that. From all the documentaries you've made, what, which one would you say you know, is right up there for you? I saw it's, I was nearly so close to saying like the ultimate cliche thing of like, oh, it's trying to pick your favourite child or something like that. Um, I was really pleased with the recent Morocco series. So I did this, that was the first tour I sort of hosted and organised with um, Intrepid Travel. So we sort of oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. worked with them to create a bespoke itinerary. Then we put it on sale to my followers. And it was uh, it was one of those times where like the group just, everyone just got on from the word go and the guide was brilliant. And it was easy to edit because I always like to have a nice sort of mixture of information and banter. And the guide we had obviously knew all this stuff, but it was really funny. And then he had all these different people. Everyone on the tour was obviously up for being filmed because they're coming on a, you know, a Carl Watson tour kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it just, it was just a joy to edit and to film. And it's sort of, it's one of those ones where, um, you know, it just came together. It all came together well. Whilst like the Vietnam series, because I was traveling by myself, and then you sort of, when you're solo traveling, you're reliant. There's so many things out of, your, out of your control in terms of the quality of the video. Like, you know, you could meet lots of cool people, but maybe they don't want to be filmed, or maybe they're yeah. rubbish on camera or whatever. So, the Vietnam series, even though it's done really well, and I'm pleased with it now, it took a lot of work. Whilst the Morocco one, I sort of watched back and just tweaked. It's like, yeah, that's fine. Whilst Vietnam, I sort of edit and re-edit and keep working and, you know, just chip away at it until it finally got it right. And with all the filming you've done, you must have a few tales um, when, once you, whilst you've been away. Funny sort of story when I sort of popped into Zimbabwe because I my G Adventures tour I did in Southern Africa and the series is just called first time in africa and we went from cape town to victoria falls and then after the tour had finished I had a few extra days of victoria falls so i was like oh, i'll pop to the zimbabwe side just for the morning just to see the falls from that side you know again that's an example of i've been to zimbabwe but i spent you know three hours there or something but uh i you know you walk across the border over the bridge where you do the bungee from and then you get through the border and you got all the touts there trying to sell you little gifts and all this stuff i mean like no 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 sort of you know go away go away no 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 thanks you know try not to be too rude but you have to be a bit stern so they stop following you and then i go up to the entrance to the waterfalls on that side and i tried to pay with my card and they wouldn't accept any of my cards yeah i was like oh and i was like um 
do you take uh, Zambian money? Um, and they were like, no, we'll take US dollars. Right. And I was like, and it was like $30 to get in. I was like, I've got 28 US dollars. And they were like, no. I was like, well, where's the nearest ATM? And it's like, oh, it's a few hours. Uh, well, no, a few hours. It's like, you've got to get a taxi and it's like half an hour out of town. I was like, is there no other way here I can get US dollars or anything? And he said, well, that's Zambian money. If you go to those people at the bridge, they might be able to exchange it for you. So all the guys have basically just told us, fact, to sort of come back and go, hey, guys, can you exchange some cash? And they did. I mean, I'm sure they gave me a terrible rate, but it kind of it, it meant that I didn't have waste. Because it costs a lot of money to get a visa to go into Zimbabwe yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've paid for the visa. And like the idea of just not actually being able to get in to do the thing I want to do. Mm. Um, so luckily, the guys who I was basically telling them <laughs> sorted me out. So uh, that kind of rescued me last minute. But that that whole tour in Africa, I mean, the two guides I had on that tour were just um, amazing. And they really made the experience. And that was a good example of like um, uh, other people on the tour just weren't up for the video. Like they're all nice, lovely people, but they weren't you know, mm. good on camera, not for it, which is completely fair enough. They're on their holiday. They haven't signed up to be in a, in a film. And I, I'm not, I never want to intrude on their, anyone's experience. You know, I always try and build up rapport with people before I sort of, you know, shove a camera in their face or anything like that. Um, but on the third or fourth day of the trip, I was sort of showing people like some of the clips I'd done of like other trips to sort of mm. try and encourage them. And, and, um, and some of them were like, yeah, yeah, I don't mind. It's all good. You can film us. And then we sort of did this whole running down the dunes, um, uh, June 45 in uh, Namibia. And we got to the bottom and all the guys around down with were all going, oh, it was amazing. And so I got like cameras like, how'd you find it, guys? And they all just kind of went, eh, eh, eh. they just they couldn't. I was thinking, just say what you just said. It's not, you know, it's not hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was thinking, oh, this video, it's just going to, even though I'm going to be on this big tour, it's just going to be, it's like I'm doing a solo trip of me on my yeah. own in Africa. And then I, got back to the camp where our guides were preparing his breakfast and i was like oh guys and so I went up to them with the camera how's breakfast doing and one of them's like i'm making the best eggs and the other one's like no i'm making the best bacon and they just started having this pretend sort of argument to the camera and i was like there we go that's the video it's gonna be me and these two <laughs> traveling around with africa with a bunch of like other tourists out of focus in the background um but the, the funny thing is as well like uh there's a couple of right at the start people in the group are going, Oh, I see you filming, but do you mind not filming me? I'm not, I was like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. here to intrude any experience. You know, it's your holiday. And they were like, Oh good. Yeah. We'll find it. And we were friends and it was all fine. And then when the video came out, they went, Oh, I love the video Carl, but I'm not in it. I was like, the first thing you said to me is don't film me. And now you're asking why am I not in the video? <laughs> you know? But uh, that's why I was trying to show them some of the clips at the start, yeah, which yeah, is yeah, sort of, yeah. you know, encourage them. Um, Cause I've had it happen before where people, don't want to be filmed which is fine you know it's their holiday but then they come back and wonder why they're not in the, not in the video <laughs> it sounds like your youtube stuff is going really well and you've got you're gonna be doing it for years and years and years your followers on youtube i think they can now buy a course i believe is that correct i made a master class which is like a video series on how to make a travel video um which is on sale through this travel events company that i work with um but that's that's sort of a big yes five and a half hours worth of video lessons. So, um, so the masterclass is uh, something that people can uh, buy yeah. and then potentially go into 
becoming a YouTube. Yeah, and it's sort of it's, it's aimed at people who either haven't made a video before or have kind of dabbled around but not really sure what they're doing. And um, I mean, the hard thing of creating it is like, well, how advanced do you go with it? Because you could make a masterclass mm. that lasts a few years, but it's like trying to sort of give show beginners the ropes, but show other people who've sort of messed around with it. It's like, oh, if I was just doing this, this or that, it'd be way quicker and way better. And um, and a lot of the sort of editing side of it is not just um you know press this button it's i go into like the theory of it sort of like mm. this is why if you can understand why you make the edits then you can do it on any software rather than just sort of saying oh well in final cut you press this it's like you know i'll I show like one of my scenes and i just talk through the entire scene of like this is why i've made these cuts and then i sort of look at one of the films from like the more long form editing perspective of like well this is you know people often ask me like well, how do you keep people engaged for a 45 hour long minute yeah. film and it's like well there's certain things you need to do about pacing and rhythm and good storytelling and things like that as traveling affected maybe relationships and stuff i know i'm going quite personal here as it because uh, i can tell you from my experience it's difficult because you're sort of almost married to your travels yeah and it can yeah it's it's sort of i mean yeah kind of um like when I'm at home, I'm just either, you know, either working during the day or editing my own stuff at night. Or if I'm socializing, I'm socializing with the people I already know and my good friends. So I don't meet that many new people when I'm at home. But because when you're away traveling, you're meeting new people. And so it's sort of, it's, I guess you, you do reduce your chances of, of meeting someone sort of like to have like a romantic relationship with because you kind of, when I'm at home, I want to catch up with the people I know already rather than yeah, sort of yeah. gambling, going on a date and going, oh, that was a waste of an evening. I could have gone and hung out with my mates, you know? So, um, so it affects a bit like that. But in terms of like, with like friends and things, um, I think they're just sort of, they're used to, used to it now. They sort of go like, um, and like, even if you go, I go away on like a six week trip, you know, for them, it only feels like you've been gone a week because, yeah, yeah. um, um, uh, but it's, yeah, it's sort of, I think my friends are used to it and I'm used to it and it's, it, it's, it's fine. Like, uh, uh, and they kind of, they sort of go, Oh, where, where have you been this time? I like friendships outside of the UK. I'm yeah. So, I mean, that's one of the nice things. I think one of the good things about social media, I mean, it has many, many problems, but, um, like like facebook and instagram it's just like a library of friends and so like when i did my first backpacking trip 2006 it's before anyone had facebook so you had to sort of swap email addresses and actually yeah. bother i think um, myspace was just coming out then I yeah i remember like when i got back from that i then set up like a myspace and then a few months after that a facebook but on that trip it was exchange email addresses and you have to actually put the effort in whilst now you can just yeah quickly just add someone on facebook and i've had it where people i might have hung out with for a few days on a trip like six seven years ago we suddenly realized we're going to be in the same town at yeah, the same yeah, yeah time whether it's like they're in my town i'm in theirs or we're both and you just catch up and it's like no time's passed at all and exactly. you know and I, I love that that's one of the really really great things about social media is you can just these people you had a great experience with, but you know, couldn't be bothered to do like a pen pal thing and just always writing mm. to each other. But you can just suddenly another place on the planet just start catching up and having a great time again. And also, especially with social media, when you sort of, I guess, not involved in their lives, but you can see what's going on. And then when you meet up, for example, and I've met a couple of people um, after we've met traveling, you know, instantly you just, it's like an instant, because you've got that connection, don't you, through yeah. travel and, 
you wouldn't have been talking to one another if there wasn't any sort of connection to, to begin with. But I think I found like the, the last five, four or five months um, whilst, we, whilst we've been in lockdown, you know, I've met so many people online um, where I've been chatting to them. And, you know, next thing you know, uh, in fact, one of your mates as well, um, next thing you know, we were chatting for like hours and hours and hours, you know, and um, I think that's been the beauty. And I think, as you said, that there, there is parts you know, problems with social media but that is definitely definitely the good part what would you say that you've learned from your from the pandemic what have i learned um that i really am a terrible cook um <laughs> it's one of the things i want to get better at i think during well i've sort of i think one of the main ways i've changed during the lockdown um because i managed to like you know i got through all my to-do list and stuff that was good but um, sort of my health and my weight over the last three years has fluctuated quite a bit. And right. then during lockdown, I was thinking, right, I'm going to get in shape. But I just, you know, you'd stuck inside all the time and then just end up, you know, having a few beers or whatever. But then um, about a month and a half ago, I got like a, a Fitbit. Um, yeah. And then just by the, the thing that I needed was just to be able to quantify what I was doing. And it made, you know, I lost like a stone in weight. And it was just, it was... Stoning away, by the way, for the American oh, 14 pounds. 14 pounds, yes. Yeah. Um, um, and uh, it was, it did like, because I've met some friends since then and they've sort of noticed the difference. And it's like, what's your secret? It's like, well, it's just dieting and like eating right and exercising. There's no hidden thing. But the thing for me was just being able to, you know, quantify it. So when you sort of do, do go for a walk or run or do a little workout, sometimes you feel like, you might have done a workout and feel like you've not made any difference at all, but by being able to quantify it, it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. You, that's still counting towards it and things like that. And, um, you know, eating all the healthy food, seeing the difference that makes. But then if you have a really good day of exercise, like right now you can treat yourself to a beer or whatever mm-hmm. and stuff. So I sort of, it's sort of like finally cracked something I've been trying to do for like the last three years. Um, so that was pretty good. Um, but I guess the only other thing I've learned, which wasn't so much learned, it's just a healthy reminder of just, how much I love traveling like oh, yeah, sort of, yeah. just it just sort of the first two or three months of lockdown when I was editing the Vietnam series I had that as my escape but now it's just like oh god come on I just want to go away now in some respect doing this has um it's felt like I've been traveling with people because I've been talking to people about their experiences and stuff and I've been I've learned a lot um from talking to people I've, I mean hundreds of people literally and um I think yeah, it was also made me realize I'm sort of starting to feel the itch a little bit that I really want to go somewhere. And some of the places I want to go to haven't really opened up. And that's another thing, by the way, for me, I, I, as I said to you earlier, it can't just be a tick box exercise where, because yeah. Europe for us is open. We can get to Europe, but yeah. I don't really want to go to Europe. You know, I want to go to, first destination I want to go to is Uganda. You know, yeah. that's not open yet. So, um, so I'm just waiting for the right places to open up again. and. Um, and then go from there, really. Yeah, we're still opening up in the right way as well. I mean, because I'm hoping to do like a little England and Scotland road trip at the end of September um, with a friend or two, but it'll be all like the sort of outdoorsy stuff whilst um, like right now I'm editing an old island trip from a few years ago that I never got around to editing. But if I was to do another island trip right now, like 50% of that experience would be pubs. And you want the pubs, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want the pubs to be normal. Like you don't want to go to a place like like you said you could go to places in europe but it might all be a bit weird and a bit awkward and if i'm gonna go there i want to fully enjoy it rather than just sort of being there for the sake of it whilst the sort of uk trip i got planned is sort of because i grew up in the north i grew up in durham and uh 
uh, a lot of the places in the countryside out there I've been to a million times, but not for like 20 years. So it'll be yeah, yeah. really fun to go back there and then get up to the highlands of Scotland and stuff like that. Um, but it'll all be outdoorsy. So it won't, the lockdown won't, um, we're not lockdown. I guess it's just precautions now won't affect the experience. Whilst if you're going somewhere, I don't know if you wanted to go to Italy, you know, you want to enjoy all the cafes and things like that. And I don't want to go away just for the sake of going away. I want to actually get to enjoy it. So. One more last question uh, before I let you go. Um, anything that we can look forward to? I know you said just the island trip um, you're editing out. Anything else that we can look forward to? Yeah, so I guess the projects that are coming up on the channel is an, yeah, an old island trip from 2014 that I just never got around to editing and now I've got the time to do it. Um, it's quite, it's, good, it's a good laugh actually. I'm about halfway through it now and it's sort of, you know, it's, I could obviously make a way better film today but the story's still there and it's like quite a few yeah. good laughs. Um, and then I'm going to be doing a retrospective film on my sort of Hong Kong to New York trip from 2013 where we did nine months around the world. So just kind of looking back on it and telling some of the untold stories from the video and um, things, which I think a lot of people, that series is like, like one of the most popular series on my channel. So there's sort of lots of people who are, you know, I sort of said, oh, would you be interested in me doing this kind of video? And everyone's like, yes, yes. I was like, all right, cool. Right, I'll put that together. And so there's that. And then hopefully get to do this UK road trip at the end of September. And then... We're hoping to do a tour in Thailand in January, but it's just if they open up. Um, uh, so there should be enough few like things on my channel, sort of yeah. keep it going along. And um, again, I'm fortunate that I don't upload that often, so it's not a huge difference to normal times. Um, if I get these other little bits and pieces out, Carl, it's been fantastic having you on. Uh, thank you for uh, speaking to us. Um, just before I let you go, where can people find you? Search on YouTube, Carl Watson, that's Carl with a K, um, or Carl, as Americans like to pronounce it, uh, yeah. Carl Watson Travel Documentaries, and then the handle on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter is Carl Watson Docs. Um, uh, but yeah, YouTube's where it's all at. And I've got a website, carlwatson.net, that's got um, everything on as well. So that's how, that's how you can find me. Amazing. Well, cheers, Carl, and uh, hopefully we'll see each other soon. Yeah, cheers, mate. It's been really good fun. Really good fun. Cheers. You can follow my guests on all of their social media platforms. The details are in the description. That's it for Take a Wonder with Shebs. Don't forget to follow me on all of my social media platforms. Until next time, bye for now.